So part 14 in this lesson series, looking at the book of James. And we started last week with this new section of James where he starts talking about managing our mouths. And uh, we started last week, we kind of hit on a couple of parts, uh, especially the first two verses of chapter three. Today we're going to continue on uh, with, well, going through verse 12, and then next weekend we're going to actually talk about in very practical terms, how do I, if, if I struggle with, with what I say, how do I, how do I heal that? How do I get to where I've got my mouth under control? But for this week, we're going to focus in on the power of words. And in James chapter 3, verses 2 through 12, James says this, if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. No one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so, blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. And so James has a lot to say about just how powerful the, the words that we say are. And it's kind of interesting to me that he compares what we say to the rudder on a ship or the bit in the mouth of a horse. That, that the bit allows us to steer the horse wherever we want him to go. The rudder allows us to steer this huge ship wherever we want him to go. And he says the tongue is just like that. It can steer our lives either to a place we don't want it to go because we're not controlling it or to a place that, that we would much prefer because we are learning to get it under control. So what we're going to do today is just sort of focus on this, the power of the tongue, of the mouth, of the words that we say. And I guess the first thing that I want to say about it is that my words can hurt others. Okay. My words can hurt others. Now, I had a couple of people ask me last night, so does that mean that, uh, that you know, the, the, there, there's a whole lot going on in the news right now, right? About, about people being hurt by words and having safe zones and, and where you can't uh, say, I don't know, any words, mean words. I don't know exactly what it is. And so people are saying, are you telling me that that's right? And I was like, no, that's, that's a whole other thing. You know, it's like our... Our rights and our responsibilities as American citizens are different than our faith, okay? And I think what the Bible teaches over and over and over again is that your faith should always inform your citizenship of any nation. As a matter of fact, if you read back through history, you will find that Christians, when they're doing it right, are considered model citizens of whatever nation that they are a part of. I'm not here to make a comment about that whole political correctness and what, what is okay to say and what isn't okay to say and which group is ridiculous and which group isn't. And, uh, you know, it's like that stuff, that stuff, you're not here to hear me say this is the final answer on that. But what I am trying to get you to say is when it comes to this question and how I will respond to that question, right? What would, what would Jesus say about that? 
That's all I'm trying to get you to ask. And if you'll notice, it's, it, it, it goes all kinds of different directions, right? People who are followers of Jesus have all kinds of different opinions about that. The Apostle Paul had something to say about what we should do about people who have different opinions than us in Romans chapter 14, which was to accept people who have different opinions than we do in the church, to love them, to treat them like we can have different opinions and still be brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that's just sort of my disclaimer. It's like, I'm not trying to make any comment one way or the other about this. As a matter of fact, just because we're talking about not hurting other people with our words doesn't mean that you will never say something that another person doesn't necessarily like. Jesus did it all the time. Jesus said things all the time that people were like, ooh, I don't like that. But, but when he was doing it, he was speaking life to those people. He was inviting them out of the darkness and into a whole new world. And so again, I don't know what, you're gonna, what kind of decision you're going to come to about that whole question of the political correctness and what your role is or shouldn't be. Or, but if you ask the question, what is Jesus asking from me when it comes to this? <laughs> That's, that, that question will change the world, I guarantee you. So my words can hurt other people. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, the Bible says that careless words stab like a sword but wise words bring healing. You'll see this over and over and over in the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, both written by King Solomon in the Old Testament, and then the book of James. They, are, they have a lot to say about the power of our words. And they all say the same thing, be really careful, because words can bring healing, or words can bring an awful lot of pain into this world. And I'm not saying that Responding to people who bug you uh, with anger and using your words to try to, uh, to, to hurt them back the way that you've been hurt, that that's not natural, that that's not a human uh, tendency. It is. It's totally natural. It's totally human. But see, the book of James is written to say, if you're a follower of Jesus, then your job is not to do what comes naturally. Your job is to say... I read this this week by Tim Keller. I thought this was a great one-sentence description. If you were trying to say, what, what is the book of James about? The entire thing, all five chapters. Tim Keller said, the book of James is about moving beyond a mere profession of faith into a real possession of your faith. In other words, moving beyond just saying, well, this is what I believe, but I'm going to do whatever I want to do, to saying, okay, this is what I believe, now I'm going to let what I believe change my behavior, in the way that I talk to people, in the way that I treat people, in the way that I handle different things. And so, yeah, you know, you're allowed to do whatever you want to. You can use your words however you want. But if you're a follower of Jesus, then he says, maybe doing what comes naturally isn't really helping you or the people that you're speaking to. And so maybe, maybe what we need to do is what this guy does. It all became very clear to me sitting out there today that every decision I've ever made in my entire life has been wrong. My life is the complete opposite of everything I want it to be. Every instinct I have in every aspect of life, be it something to wear, something to eat, it's all been wrong. <laughs> Tuna on toast, coleslaw, cup of coffee. Yeah. No, 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 wait a minute. I always have tuna on toast. Nothing's ever worked out for me with tuna on toast. I want the complete opposite of tuna on toast. Chicken salad, on rye, untoasted, 
with a side of potato salad and a cup of tea. <laughs> well, there's no telling what can happen from this. You know, chicken salad's not the opposite of tuna. Salmon's the opposite of tuna, because salmon swim against the current and the tuna swim with it. Good for the tuna. George, you know, that woman just looked at you. So what? What am I supposed to do? Go talk to her. Elaine, bald men with no jobs and no money who live with their parents <laughs> don't approach strange women. Well, here's your chance to try the opposite. Instead of tuna salad and being intimidated by women, chicken salad and going right up to them. Yeah, I should do the opposite. I should. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. Yes. I will do the opposite. I used to sit here and do nothing and regret it for the rest of the day. So now I will do the opposite and I will do something. Excuse me, uh, I couldn't help but notice that you were looking in my direction. Oh, yes, I was. You just ordered the same exact lunch as me. My name is George. I'm unemployed and I live with my parents. I'm Victoria. Hi. <laughs> we'll check in with George here in a few minutes and see what doing the opposite does for him in his life. But maybe it's time that when it comes to how we use our words, that we all chose to be a little bit more like George Costanza. And I know that's probably the first time those words were ever uttered in a church setting. But so to be more precise, be like George Costanza in this particular episode, right? Where you do the opposite of what seems to come naturally. You use the pause button. You think about what you're going to say. You say, okay, what would, what would Jesus want my response in this particular moment? to be with this particular person, and that's always going to be a tough question to answer. And sometimes you'll think, I don't know what the right thing to do is, in which case you proceed with caution and you do what you think the right thing to do is, but you know that if you make a mistake and your heart is in the right place, then that's more important to Jesus than if you do exactly the right thing and your heart's in the wrong place. That's the, that was the deal with the Pharisees, right? They were, he said, that they flawlessly observed the external requirements of the law, but they missed the more important matters like justice and mercy and compassion. And so if you are trying to do the right thing, don't, I mean, think about what you're going to do. Talk to people what you're, about what you're going to do and then do it with confidence, knowing that if you make a mistake, it's easier for Jesus to sort of guide you in the right direction than to get you started in the first place. Think about what you're saying. Researchers say that, especially with children, for every one negative thing that you say to them, it takes three positive things just to even out um, the, the, the effect on that child's life. Doesn't mean you don't correct children. That's, that's, that's an important thing to do, especially if you're a parent, right? If you're a parent, you have to say negative things to your kids sometimes. What the researchers would say, and what I think James would say, is just make sure that you overwhelm those negative things that you have to say with all of this positive. 
because it takes three positives for every negative just to even out. If you want there to be a feeling of positivity between you and your children, you've got to exceed that three to one ratio. And with, with, with marriage relationships, researchers say that it's five to one. Five to one with your spouse. That if you say one negative thing, you have to get, just to even out, you have to get to five. And then if you get to five, then you ask those people, What's your relationship like? They'll say, man, my relationship's pretty good. If you go down to four to one and you ask those people, what, your, what is your relationship like? They'll be like, eh. Get to three to one, they'll be like, I, it, it feels like something's not right. Get to two to one, they'll be like, something is definitely wrong. You get down to where it's even or where you even start to, the, the negatives out, outweigh the, 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 the positives, then pretty soon it's like people are like, I can't do this anymore. The, Something's got to change or this isn't just going. And so you have to think about what you're saying because our words, our words are powerful. Our words can hurt each other. And especially with children, but even with adults, people will grow up with their self-image being based to a large extent on what people said to them about themselves. Community is hugely important with the human beings, Right? There is a certain sense, we will get more into this next week, but there is a certain sense in which you don't know who you are until somebody tells you, right? And there are all kinds of different messages coming to you, and I don't know exactly what determines what a child's self-image is when, as they grow up as an adult um, based on the things that they heard. I don't know if it's just strictly a, a matter of percentages or ratios, that if you heard more positive growing up than negative, then you have a positive self-image or, or vice versa. But there's also an extent to which certain relationships cast a much bigger shadow, much darker shadow on our, on our lives than others. Parents is a huge example. Parents can destroy their children if, if they're not careful. Parents can also create in their children a sense of self-worth that, that very few other people could shake if you do it right. There's some siblings in families that are able to just sort of, they, they just wield an enormous amount of influence with their other siblings. There are sometimes friends, teachers, pastors, um, you know, or other kind of adults that, that for whatever reason have a huge amount of influence in a child's life. And it doesn't just have to be children. Even with adults, when they are in an especially vulnerable and impressionable situation or state, somebody can say something to them that takes that has a huge amount of influence in their lives. And there are some of you in this room, probably most of you in this room, that somebody said something to you when you were a kid and you have never forgotten it. And when, even if you've kind of moved past it, when you are feeling your most weakest, that comes back and you have a hard time sort of dealing or doing battle with that idea. And so be careful what you say to people because God cares deeply about every single one of you. As a matter of fact, if you're here today, and for whatever reason, because somebody, when you were either young or when you were at an impressionable and vulnerable stage in your life, somebody said something to you that has made you question your worth, then let me just tell you that that person, whatever they said to you, even if they were right about what they were saying to you, the idea that that, make, that, that makes you worth less than anybody else for any reason, that's just wrong. Okay? Maybe you need to spend some time sort of basking in the words of the creator of the universe and what he has to say about you. And 
For some of you, it may be so bad that you need to actually find somebody to help you work through this stuff and to get back to where God intends for you to be. But all of that to say, we need to be really careful with the words that we say to one another, okay? Because our words, well, James says, they can set the whole course of a person's life on fire, okay? Doesn't mean everything you say has to be positive or that people have to like everything that you say, but it does mean that everything you do, you are trying to speak life. And when Jesus did that, sometimes he was telling people, you're going the wrong direction. But he always did it with love, always. So that's the first uh, point, uh, is that my words can hurt other people. Second point, we're just going to hit on this really quickly, but my words can also hurt me. Um, we talked about it last week, this idea of uh, your rubber, or I'm rubber and your glue, <laughs> whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you, right? Which sort of goes hand in hand with that whole sticks and stones will break my bones, but words can never hurt me. See, kids say that all the time, right? But kids should know better because of all the human beings on earth, it's kids who soak up the words that are said to them and take them to heart more than anybody else. I think that if James was making that statement, the sticks and stones statement, and writing it in the Bible, it would go more like, sticks and stones can only break my bones, but words could send my life in a completely different direction for good or for bad. So be really careful what you say. And then when it comes to this whole concept of I'm rubber and you're glue, whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you, that's actually backwards. I mean, to a certain extent, it's true because, well, let, let, let's look at it like this. Our words are like swords, right? They, it's not like I'm rubber. What, what you say to me will stick, will, will pierce my, my shell, right? But really, when it comes to my words hurting me, it's like it's, it's switched around. It's more like we should say, uh, you're rubber and I'm glue. Whatever I say bounces off of you and sticks to me. But it doesn't rhyme, right? So nobody says it. <laughs> no, it's like, why would I say that? That's stupid. But it is absolutely true. The Bible, it talks about it over and over and over again. In uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 9, the Bible says, don't be quick to fly off the handle. Anger boomerangs. And you can spot a fool by the lumps on his head. I love the way the message paraphrase puts, especially the Proverbs. And I, I don't know about you, I had to stop and think, what, what, what is he saying? Anger boomerangs? You can spot a fool by the lumps on his head? It's because it bounces off of you and it comes back to me. But it also impacts the people we're saying it to, right? And so th it, there's a, it's a double-edged sword. We've got to be really careful about what we say because if we are speaking life, that life will bounce off of people and come back to us. And if we're speaking what James would call curses, and he's not talking about four-letter words, he's talking about trying to do harm to somebody else. If that's what we're doing with our words, it will bounce off that person and come back to you, and it will impact your life in ways you never dreamed it would. So my anger hurts other people. My anger, or my words hurt other people. My words can also hurt me. But then number three, that, that's, that's, that's how we know that my words are more than just words. Right? They, there is this, words have a life to them of their own. There is something about words that has a profound impact beyond just putting sounds together to create meaning, right? And I used to always think, why is that? Why is there so much power in the words that we use? 
James says this in James 3, verse 9. Sometimes the tongue praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Now, that, the last three words there, image of God, if you're following along with us in your lesson sheet today, circle those three words, because that's where I think the power of our words comes from. What does it mean to be created in the image of God? Well, there are lots of different things that it probably means, but one of them is that we have been given this ability, this power, that no other of God's creations were given, and that is the ability to create meaning and to change the world with our words. Now, the, the level that we change the world with our words is on a whole different level from God, right? Uh, if you go back to the very first verses of the Bible, God, when he creates the universe, he doesn't get his hands dirty when he's doing it until he gets to us. Then he gets his hands a little dirty. He makes us out of the dirt that he spoke into creation. Everything that there is, the Bible says, God just spoke and it was so. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, you will find this. It says, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. You will find that phrase, that, that, not, not with light, but with other things. Then God said, and it was so. You will find that phrase over and over and over in the first chapter of Genesis at least 10 times. And you see this power that God has, that he speaks and it changes everything. And to a certain extent, the same thing is true with us. We can change reality with the words we say. Now, it's not, not like I can say, let there be light. And then, you know, if somebody's standing in the back and flips on the lights because I said it, well, then that's a, that's a neat trick. But I can't create light with my voice, right? But I can impart light into people's lives with the words that I say. I can also impart darkness into people's lives with the words that I say. Words are more than just words. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, this is when God gets his hands dirty. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. It's extremely precise language, right? It's like you read that and you're like, what is exactly is Moses trying to get us to recognize in these words? What exactly is he trying to get us to, to, to lock into? And I think that at least part of what he's doing is he's trying to say, look, guys, you are not the full and complete image of God. And ladies, you neither are the full and complete image of God. Somehow, each of us sort of shares a part of the image of God. And until you hear from both sides of the equation, the he said, she said sort of thing, you will never really fully understand the full image of who God is. I'll never forget, the church that I grew up in, women were not allowed to use their gifts in church, right? A woman was not allowed to speak during a worship service. Um, they were allowed to use their gifts in three areas. The kitchen, <laughs> the nursery with the babies, and in Sunday school classes with children until, the, until there was a boy in there that decided to get baptized, in which case he was a man and a woman couldn't teach him anymore. My mom was actually involved in one of these situations when she um, was teaching a seventh, second grade 
Sunday school class, and a little boy in your class named Joey decided to get baptized, and he did. And suddenly they decided, well, he can't be in her class anymore. And so they thought, well, here, here's how we'll solve the issue. We'll get a man to teach the second grade Sunday school class. Nope, there were no volunteers. No men would be willing to stoop to that level. And so they were like, well, then I guess what we have to do is we have to pull Joey out of her class and put him in the adult class with all of the rest of the men. And Joey Carr told my mom years later, it was one of the, I felt like it was one of the biggest mistakes of my life getting baptized because they took him out of second grade class coloring pictures of Jesus and listening to awesome stories of how great he was and put him in there going, you know, now let's turn to Galatians chapter 3 and talk about circumcision. You know, he's like, what's that? You know, he's like, what? You know, it's like, this is crazy, right? It is absolutely crazy. I'll never forget the first time I ever heard a woman pray. I was at, I was at Bible College, Pepperdine University in Southern California, and I was in New Testament theology class. And uh, the professor, Tom Albright, one of my favorite guys of all time, said to the class who would like to lead the class in prayer before we start our class. And, you know, this was, we were a couple weeks in. I led prayer once. A couple other guys have led prayers. I'm guessing most of us had already prayed, most of the guys. And so nobody raises their hand right at first. And this young lady that was sitting a couple of chairs down from me raises her hands, her hand, and says, I'll do it. And I can remember thinking, ooh, this is going to be awkward when he tells her, oh, I'm sorry, there are men present. You're not allowed to pray when men are present, right? But he doesn't do that. He goes, okay. And he bows his head, and I'm like, oh. You know, I knew, I knew, logically, I knew there's nothing wrong with this, right? This is, this is good. I'm, uh, this, but I was like still kind of shocked. And she prayed, and what I heard was like nothing I had ever heard before. She prayed differently than... I had heard literally thousands of prayers in my life by men. I had never heard a woman pray. It was different than anything I had ever heard. As a matter of fact, most of you probably know who she was. Uh, she, was uh, her, she was on a show called um, The Facts of Life. Her name, she, she played Tootie. Uh, her name was Kim Fields. She was the one that would ro ride around on roller skates. And, uh, and I noticed that day that women use their words differently than men do especially when it comes to talking about who God is. And, and those words will change people. Those words do change people, for better or for worse. And so James is continually saying, be really careful, be really careful, because these words have a life unto themselves. So, this week, I have a feeling you won't get very far before you will find yourself wanting to react according to your instinct, to, to reach out and to, uh, to, to fight back against somebody who is using their words against you, and you're like, this is what comes to me naturally. When you get to that point, okay, and you think, I want to do what feels natural, and even if you're not able to stop yourself at first, and you get to the other side and look back, I hope that you will remember what happened to George. Let's watch. I tell you this, something is happening in my life. I did this opposite thing last night. Up was down, black was white, good was... Bad. Day was... Night. Yes! So you just did the opposite of everything. Yes! And listen to this, listen to this. Her uncle works for the Yankees and is going to get me a job interview. 
a front office kind of thing, assistant to the traveling secretary, a job with the New York Yankees. This has been the dream of my life ever since I was a child, and it's all happening because I'm completely ignoring every urge towards common sense and good judgment I've ever had. How things going? How are things going? You want to know how things are going? I'll tell you how things are going. I am getting kicked out of my apartment. Why? Why are they doing that? I don't know. They have a list of grievances. The jewel thief? Yeah, the jewel thief. <laughs> what else? I put Canadian quarters in the washing machine. <laughs> I gotta be out by the end of the month. Well, you could move in with my parents. <laughs> Opposite of what you were going to say, or was that just your natural instinct? Instinct. Stick with the opposite. Great advice, right? Stick with the opposite. I don't know if you're like me. Almost every time I think this is what I should say in response to what I just heard, I push the pause button and think about it. Almost every time I change what I was just about to say. I have to keep reminding myself, stick with the opposite. Stick with the opposite. And so this week, here's what I hope you'll do. I hope you will memorize one passage. of It's just one verse from the Bible. It's from Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. And I think if you memorize this and you recite it to yourself every time you are tempted to just say what comes naturally, this will change your life in ways you never dreamed were possible, actually. May my spoken words and unspoken thoughts be pleasing even to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And if you do that, either before you say what you were thinking about saying, or even if you say it and you get to the other side and think, oh, I should have done the opposite. And then you recite that and say, help this to be true of me. Help this to be true of me. There is deep power, the Bible says. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the key to success in your life is Bible meditation. Meditating on the words of God. You mem memorize this. You think about it this week as you go through your life. Next week we will get together. We will talk about practical ways to heal the things that you say, to heal yourself with the things that you say. But for this week, let's this be our prayer. And let's start right now. Father, may my spoken words and unspoken thoughts be pleasing even to you. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray this, amen. So go out and do the opposite. <laughs>